This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Hallelujah. Come on, let's lift our voices and give our Lord Jesus all the praise. Come on, He's still King. He's still Lord. He's still Savior. He's still the healer. Come on, give Him praise. Glory. Hallelujah. Good morning, family. Everybody well and blessed? Full of the Lord? Bump your name and say, no fear here. Amen. And you know God is still King? Coronavirus is dead in the name of Jesus. Say that. Say it. The more we say it, it's done. Amen. And we have the victory. The church of Jesus Christ. And we see God given all the glory. Amen. Once again, thank you so much to Apostle Theo and Dr. Beverly. It is a privilege and honor to be here today. Thank you for what you're doing in the nations. And the lives that have been transformed and changed because of it. We love you. Thank you for leading us with such passion and with the faith of God that we can stand knowing that God is still King and Jesus is our Lord and Savior and we give praise to Him. Amen. Come on, family. Let's give our pastors a great big hand. How many came expecting this morning? You ready? Father, we thank you so much for your precious love and grace. We receive it by faith today, that abundance of grace that we may reign in this life. Thank you for the privilege of hearing your word. We know that you sent your word to heal, to deliver. And we come to hear from heaven today. And I thank you for the privilege of being a voice to that word. I don't take it lightly, so I submit myself under your mighty hand. That by your grace, I may speak your word with clarity and accuracy. And as your word goes forth, you're ignited with your presence. And take it deep into the heart of every hearer, which causes faith to rise and dispels every form of fear. Minds are renewed to your word. Understanding replaces confusion. I believe that each and every one of us today are transformed from glory to glory. This we give you alone the praise and honor in the name of Jesus. Family, if you're ready to receive, would you shout amen? amen. Praise God as you're seated. Open your Bible at Hebrews chapter 11. How many of you are standing in faith? You know, the Lord spoke to me at the beginning of this year that we can trust Him for unlimited possibilities. And I realize when there's unlimited possibilities, that means there's unlimited opportunities coming my way for unlimited manifestations. And the Lord led me to teach on the fundamentals of faith, the fundamentals of faith. Now, I've spent eight weeks on it at home, and we're going to try and get it done in the next half hour. So <laughs> we will cover every base that we can. Amen. But when it comes to faith, it's so important to know how important it is to us. Sometimes we look at the big picture and we can get confused without looking at the fundamentals. The fundamentals are talking about the basics. If we get the basics right, the big picture works. And we understand how important faith is. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, without faith, it's kind of difficult to please God. Is that what it says? What does it say? It says it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And family of God, if it's impossible to please God without faith, then I must recognize God would never position me in a place where I would displease Him. He must think I'm capable of the kind of faith He requires. And what is that faith? Well, He defines it, first of all, as believing that He is and believing that He is a rewarder. Of those who diligently seek Him. How many of you believe God is? Just lift your hand and say, I believe my God is 
and he is a rewarder as I diligently seek him. So if it's faith that pleases God, I must know what kind of faith it is that pleases him because you recognize there are different types of faith. You know, people talk about what faith are you? And they're actually asking, are you a Buddhist? Are you a Muslim? Are you a Jew or a Christian? Whatever. How many you know that there's only one way to God, and that's through Jesus Christ? So it can't be that kind of faith that pleases God if everybody's faith. No, there's also a natural kind of faith. When you came in today, I'm sure you didn't double check that your chair was still bolted into the floor. You had faith in the maintenance of the Christian Family Church staff. So that's not the faith that pleases God. What faith is it that pleases God? And when you define what that faith is, then how do I get it? Once I know what it is, how do I know if I've got it? And then once I know that I've got it, how do I put it into action? How do I make it work for me? And so we see in Hebrews chapter 11, verse, six, uh, verse 1, that he, now faith is the, the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. I don't know if you were the same as me when I first started walking as a Christian. Uh, I heard Dr. Theo teach on faith, and I was so excited because I got all the scriptures, and I thought, I can do this. And he gave so many wonderful examples. This happened in his life, and then he did this, and God came through and did that. And it was so exciting to you, I couldn't wait to put it into action in my life. And then when I got into action and started putting it into action, I suddenly realized that, you know, uh, as I started doing what I thought I should do, all of a sudden it seemed like every demon on the planet was reassigned to my house. Come on, how do you know what I'm talking about? And, and then it's like, God, what is going on here? And then it got worse and it got worse. And eventually I thought, if I can just get to Pastor Theo, if he can pray, this will be answered. Come on, how do you admit you've ever thought that? If, I, I know if my pastor prays, it'll happen. Well, now we must understand what are we talking about. If we're talking about this kind of faith, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Number one, faith is not hope. Sometimes people confuse that. I still hear Christians saying, I'm hoping and praying. No, hope is for the future. We must have hope. Hope is what gives you this, the, 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 the target. It's the dream. It's the vision. It's the promise of God. But that's in the future. Faith is what gives your hope substance. It brings the future into the now. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Say that. My faith is giving substance to the thing I hope for. It's also the evidence of things not seen. That means if it's the evidence of things not seen, that means there's going to be something that's not seen in your life. If faith is the evidence of things not seen, without faith it's impossible to please God. There's always going to be something in your life you haven't seen yet. I know what it's like. I think if I can just get this problem solved, then I can relax and enjoy my Christianity. But family of God, we've got to get used to being comfortable with being uncomfortable. I said we got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. You have to be okay with Red Sea moments. Come on. How many you know there's always, once you conquer one thing, there's something else God's going to take you higher to. And so when it comes to faith, I want to know how it works. Because if it works for my pastor, why is it not working for me? It's got to be something I'm missing. And that's what I want to deal with today. So first of all, how do I know if I have faith? Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. How does faith come? Now, family of God, I've studied the Bible from cover to cover. That still is the only way 
faith comes. You won't find any other way to get faith. I've heard someone actually preach about, you know, using Jude verse 20, beloved, pray, build yourselves up on your most holy faith by praying in the Spirit. So you can get prayer by hearing the Word, uh, faith by hearing the Word, and you can get faith by praying in the Spirit. And that's not what that verse says. If you read it properly, it says to build yourself up on your most holy faith. It means you already got the faith. You have to have got it to build up on it by praying in the Spirit. Other people say, well, you know, all the tests and the trials you get help to develop your faith. Well, if tests and trials developed our faith, everybody in this room would be faith giants. Come on, how you know problems don't build your faith? They try and tear you down. No, the only way faith comes is by hearing, and hearing what? The Word of God. Well, let me put it to you this way. If I had a bucket of water and I threw it onto you, what would you be? Why? Wet comes by water. Wet comes by water. I know it's deep. Write it down. You'll get it later. Say that. Wet comes by water. Faith comes by hearing. Now, as I throw the water onto you, once that water hits you, how long after the water hits you does it take until you wet? You know, water's on you now. Now you've got to work for two or three days, maybe two or three months, and eventually, at last, now I'm wet. Is that what happens? No. When were you wet? The moment the water hit you. See, there's no feeling to faith. See, people want to feel something. I know what it's like. So you, you know what it feels like when you're hungry. Your body tells you you need food, and then you eat it, and then you get to a point when you know you should stop. You should stop. Come on, how do you know the feeling? Amen. You know even in the mental realm. You know when you're ready for an exam or not. You know sometimes an exam comes up and you're nervous, you're worried, you don't know if you're going to answer all the questions. But then there's other times when you've done the preparation, you know the subject, and you think, throw any question my way, I know what I'm doing. You know those feelings. And sometimes we want to put that on faith as well. And my question is, how do you know you don't have faith? How do you know that you don't have faith yet? And someone says, but I don't feel it. Well, what are you waiting on? You know, you're going to work on your faith, work on your faith, work on your faith, and then one day, ah, there, that's faith. What is that feeling? What, what does that feel like? No, family, there are no feelings to faith. Faith comes by hearing. How many of you are hearing the Word of God today? Let me see your hand. Keep that hand up and say, I already have faith. You don't have to feel it. You just have to know you have the faith because you've heard the Word of God. How many of you are saved today? Let me see. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says, For by grace you saved how? Through faith. And that's not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Amen. It's not because of works. It's a gift of God. Say that. Faith is a gift of God. Now, I don't know about you, but when I got saved, I did not know faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. I did not know faith is the substance of things, hope for the evidence of things not seen. I did not know the spirit of faith is having believed I speak. I didn't know any of those scriptures. All I knew was somebody told me Jesus loves me, He died for me, rose from the dead, and if you would confess that with your mouth, call Him Lord and Savior, you will be saved. And I went, okay, and I did it. Come on, how do you say amen to that? Now, family of God, 
I, you know, so many miracles happen in the body of Christ, in the kingdom of God. And for me, the salvation is the greatest miracle. More than a leg growing out, more than even a finger growing back on a hand. For someone who's dead in darkness, headed for hell, way separated from God, and they say, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. That moment, the Spirit of God moves in. The old man dies. A brand new species is born in the image of God, full of the glory of God, with the Word of God in his heart, born again, alive to God. That is the greatest miracle ever. And you knew nothing about how to work that. All you knew was a, I believe, and so I say. And it worked. I said it worked. You got saved. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who's among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Will each one put your hand up, please? Bump your name and say, look at that. I'm in the Bible. This is you. God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. When I saw that scripture, I realized I got exactly the same faith as Apostle Theo. It says there, dealt to each one the same measure. I got the same measure as him. Hallelujah. So what's the difference? He figured out how to work his. It doesn't mean I don't have faith. I got it. He dealt it to me. So I just got to figure out how to work it now. Come on, you're getting a hold of this? So how does the faith come for you to hear it? Remember, we learned that by grace you say by faith. How did that faith come? By hearing. By hearing what? The Word. How did you hear the Word? Come with me to Acts chapter 11. Yeah, we see the example, well, the, the, not the example, the actual happening, where Cornelius is the first Gentile that God's reaching out to get saved. Up to that point, only Jewish people were getting saved. Jesus is Jewish. He's, all his disciples are Jewish. And they were leading all the Jews to Jesus, and they were getting saved. Now God wants to reach out to the Gentiles, and so he prepares Cornelius for it, and he prepares Peter for it, because that, Peter would have rejected it up to that point. But God prepares the both of them and brings them together. And Peter leads Cornelius to the Lord, and Cornelius gives his testimony about what happened to him for this preparation. He says in Acts chapter 11, verse 13, he told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house who said to him, send men to Joppa, call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, and he will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. Notice, he didn't say he'll tell you how to get saved. He said he will tell you the words you need. So how was Cornelius saved? The same way you were, by grace through faith. Well, how did the faith come to Cornelius? The same way it comes to everybody, by hearing, by hearing the Word of God. Now, through whom did the Word come? God had to send a man of God into his life to deliver that Word. Do you see that? So God gives us men and women of God. So yeah, we see that faith comes Faith is a gift, and faith is dealt, and it's dealt through a person. Romans chapter 10, verse 9, remember it says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart God has raised Him from the dead, 
you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Look at verse 13. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, how shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? How shall they believe in him in whom they've not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? See, family of God, God put Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev into your life so that you would have somebody to pour water on you. You get a hold of this. You see, when I come to church, it's not just to learn something new. I know in the beginning I'm learning a lot of new things, but how many you realize after a while you kind of learn most? New revelations will come. In the beginning you had lots and lots of revelations. You know, some people come and they say, I just don't get out anymore what I used to get out. Hang on now. How many of you eat food? How many of you know what a carrot tastes like? Only five people. How many of you know peas maybe, uh, broccoli, meat, chicken? Choose a food that you know. How many of you know what a piece of food tastes like? All right, now we've got more people. Now imagine that food for a moment. Can you think of the flavor? Can you remember that flavor? You remember it? Now did that memory bring you any nutrition? You have to actually eat the food to get the nutrition into you. Isn't that right? Now, here's the thing. When you sit down to a plate, there's carrots there. You don't say, oh, no, I know what carrots taste like. I I want something new. They're food that I've eaten that I don't even like, but I eat it because I know I've got to get that nutrition in me. Isn't that right? See, family of God, when we come here, we're not coming just to be entertained. We're not coming just to hear something brand new. We're not coming to be educated. That will happen. But you're coming to hear, feed me. Even if I've heard it before, feed me again. I don't care if I've heard it 30, 40 times. Let me hear the word because I need the faith. The only way faith comes is by hearing that word of God. Now, family, that's exactly the same way it works for everything else that God has promised us. Once you know the will of God concerning anything, you can apply exactly the same faith you did as when you got saved. I remember there's a businessman in our church. He's now overseas. Uh, He came and he became a member and he came onto our Christian growth seminar. And in that, one of the nights we teach on biblical finances, as many of you have already been through that. And then we came across the scripture in Malachi chapter 3. You know it well, verse 10, bring how many? All the tithes where? To the storehouse. Why? So that there's food in the house of God. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I'll not open for you the windows of heaven, pour out for you such blessing, there's not room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Now that's a great promise, that God will personally deal with the devil for you. That's good news to me. Amen. And then the devil will not destroy the fruit of your ground. In other words, he can't stop your income. Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field. In other words, that business, whatever's producing your income, cannot fail. And then the Lord of hosts says, all nations will call you blessed and you'll be a delightful land. And he took that word and he said, you know what? I'm going to do that. If I'm a Christian, well, I go to church. Christians sing, I sing. If Christians pray, I pray. If they tithe, then I'm going to start tithing. And then exactly what I described at the beginning happened to him. Every demon in hell visited his business. His finances crashed, the business started crashing, everything started going wrong. 
But he's dug in and he said, you know what, I'm going to do this. And he, and he kept tithing. Every month he brought his tithe in. And he said after three or four months, he started getting agitated. He started getting angry. He started, he started feeling a fence rising up because, you know, he's tithing and things are getting worse and worse and worse. I don't know if that's ever happened to anybody here. And so they kept, he just said, but I'm going to do it. If God, and he eventually got to the point where he said, yeah, God, here's your tithe. If you want it, you got it. And he got quite bad about it. And then one day I was busy teaching, and then I spoke this word of God from Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. And he's sitting there thinking, I don't know what the good of the land feels like anymore. And then it suddenly hit him as I repeated the scripture. If you are willing and obedient. And he looked at it and said, my God, there it is. Faith hit him. The Word of God opened up in his heart, and he said, you know what? I've been obedient, but I haven't been willing. And he made a change of heart. He decided, Father, please forgive me. From today on, I will do this willingly. I'll be happy. I get to preach the gospel through my tithe. By bringing the tithe, people get to hear the Word of God. Every time someone gets saved, that's my tithe at work. And he got so excited about it that he signed a deal one day in the middle of the week, and he couldn't wait for Sunday, and he came in on the week, during the week, to the office, and he said, I can't wait for Sunday. I'm bringing my tithe today. And he said the power of God hit his business, turned it around, and today his business is international. Come on, give Jesus praise. How about faith for your healing? Matthew 8, verse 16, when evening had come, they brought to Jesus many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits. How? With a word. He healed how many? All who were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, he himself took our infirmities, and he bore our sicknesses. Family, Jesus bore our sicknesses away. He's quoting from Isaiah 53, verse 4. Verse 5 says, by his stripes... We are healed. Say this, by Jesus' stripes, I am healed. Peter goes on to say in 1 Peter 2 verse 24 that Jesus himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we having died to sin might live for righteousness. How many of you are born again? Have you been made the righteousness of God? Then in the same breath, by whose stripes you were healed. Family, if you were healed, then you are healed. If Jesus took the sickness away from you, if I had a Bible in my hand and someone took it, I don't have it anymore. If Jesus took the sickness away, you don't have it. If by His stripes you were healed, then you are healed. If you were healed, you are healed. Say so that if I was healed, then I is healed. Now you remember that. Amen. Here's the truth. You're not the sick person trying to get healed. We are the healed person resisting sickness. Disease cannot touch me. I said disease cannot touch you. My wife was dis, uh, dis diagnosed with a disease called fibrous dysplasia. It's a terrible disease that it's fibers that grow inside of the bone and we were busy dating at the time, and she got pain in her leg, and they took x-rays. And when they saw the x-ray, the fibers had put such pressure on her bone, the, the femur, the upper part, 
is that that bone had cracked through. There was a, sliv- a slit right through her bone. You could see a clean break with just a sliver of bone on the edge holding it. They didn't even let her get up because they said if you twist wrong on that, it could snap in any moment. Put her straight into hospital. They did a massive operation where they cut her from a knee to a hip and then cut the bone out just above the knee and just below the ball and socket. So if you can imagine, this is the ball joint of the bone of the leg. This is the knee, and there's the hip joint. They cut it just below the ball, just above the knee. They took a steel bar and bolted it into the ball. Now the bar became a new bone and then screwed the bottom into this little piece above the knee, took bone out of her back and packed it around the, bone, the, the, the steel bar and then sewed her back up. And it took about three months to learn to walk again. Absolute agony. I, I haven't had a, a bone operation, but people who have tell me it's one of the most painful experiences you can have. And so she had to learn to walk all over again. That should have solved the problem, but she got pain in the lower part of the leg. And we went for x-rays again, and we were married at this time. And they found that there was fibrous dysplasia in her tibia. The fibula is the front one. The tibia is the back, the little one, the little bone at the back of your leg. And uh, normally, fibrous dysplasia doesn't spread. It only attacks one bone. There's a more rare form of the disease that once it starts spreading, attacks different bones. In fact, Janine met somebody when they heard our testimony that was in a wheelchair and her entire body was compromised because of it. And so that would have been Janine's future. And so the doctor said, okay, it's not a structural problem like the last time, but that bone must come out as soon as possible. So go home, make your preparations and plans and come back and have the bone out. Of course, this devastated Janine, knowing what she went through before. And so it was time to go and tell all the different family members. So one day we were visiting with my mother to tell her. And now you've got to just have a little bit of history here. At the time, my mother was serving Jesus here at Christian Family Church. I wasn't. I was angry. I was totally against the church, against Christians, against the whole thing. My mother tried. She gave me tapes from Apostle Theo. She tried to lead me to Jesus, tried to invite me to church, use all kinds of tricks like the movies they had and plays and things. I, I got so angry with her that eventually one day she tried. I said, Mom, if you bring up Jesus, quote another scripture, give me one more tape. I will walk out your life. You'll never see me as a son again. And my mother backed off and she said, went to the Lord and said, Lord, I'm not prepared to lose my son, but you know how to get him. And I'm going to start praying that you lead him to the right person that will speak to him. And so, thank God for praying mothers. So in that atmosphere, my mother, yeah, thank you, Jesus. So in that atmosphere, we're telling mom about this problem. Now, you all know what mom would do. But she's now looking at me, and she gets this look on her face. She says, anybody want tea and coffee? So we all give our orders, and as she gets up, she says to Janine, come with me. And they go, instead of turning to the kitchen, they head towards her bedroom. And you hear the door close, and they're in there for about 15 minutes. Eventually, they come back out. Mom went to the kitchen. Janine came to the lounge, and she came to sit down. I said, now, what were you talking about? So she said, no, nothing. Now, how do you know take, nothing doesn't take 15 minutes? So I already, I'm already getting, I'm, I'm already boiling now. And so we have our tea and coffee, we go home, and on the way home, we stop at a traffic light, and Janine looks over to me and says, Mom says, Jesus will heal this. I said, that's it, that's what I was talking about, it's over, I'm going to get my mom. She says, please, doll, just, just, if you can please, I'm desperate, I'm willing to try anything, please just support me. 
You don't have to get involved, just support me. Now she knows my soft spot because I am an, I'm an edifier. I, if you want to go to the moon, we'll get you there. If we have to walk, I'll, I'll make sure you get there. Amen. I, I want to make you succeed. And so I said, okay, I'll support you. I'll come along. But I know how these people work. You don't give your name to anybody. Don't give your address. Don't, don't, uh, you just, now, I don't encourage that today. Of course, you need to be connected. Amen. But that was where I was from. And so we, we go to uh, church, and Janine gives her life to the Lord. Dad, I'm still like, what are you doing? So she says, no, I want to serve Jesus. Okay, so Pastor Leo calls pastors out to the front. If you need prayer, go to any one of them. She went to one of the pastors. We explain the story. He puts his hands on her, and she falls on the ground. And I like, looked at that. Well, just before that, he said, do you believe Jesus will heal you? And she said, yes. I still looked at her, you do? <laughs> and so... He lays his hands on her, and she falls on the ground. Now, up to that point, I thought, all these other people are weird, man. These are all the brainwashed. Look at them all lying on the ground, shaking. Like Now my wife's on the floor. Now, I know she's not a flake. I'm thinking, what is she doing on the floor? I look at the pastor. What did you do? He says, no, no, God's busy with her. I said, I saw you put your hands on her. He says, no, Jesus is healing her. I'm interested in this. So he pulled up eventually. He said, so check out your legs. She felt, and the pain is gone. So, so we praise God. He, he, he praises God, and she's praising God. I'm looking at this. So he says, now, when you go home, just know this, that sometimes the enemy comes, he tries to steal it, and he shows her the Scripture 1 Peter 2.24. By Jesus' stripes, you've been healed. So if you feel any discomfort or pain, just quote the Scripture. My skeptical mind eventually goes and says, yeah, no, that's his loophole now. That's just, you know, this is psychosomatic. He knows it. It's going to wear off, so he's got his little escape card now. I don't know, you know, these people. So I went home. The next day, uh, we go into the hospital for the final x-ray for the operation, which she's checking into hospital. And so we take the x-ray, and uh, as we leave the room, going back to the doctor's rooms, I didn't wait. I opened the envelope to read the letter. And it says, the fibrous dysplasia has got worse. It must come out immediately. Janine burst into tears. So I looked at her and I said, now what did the pastor say last night? Now remember, this isn't the pastor Alan speaking. This is Philistine heathen unbeliever. Okay, I, I'm, I'm saying, what did the pastor say? She said, I must say, by Jesus' stripes I've been healed. So I said, then say it. So she says, by Jesus' stripes I've been healed. And everything was fine for a few minutes and then she started crying again. I said, hang on now, what, say it again. Now I did not know. The spirit of faith is having believed I speak. I didn't know this talking stuff. All I knew is if I kept her mind off the problem, she wouldn't cry. And the only way I could think of was get her just to speak. And what could we talk about? I just said, say it again. Say it again. Say it again. We did that all the way back to the doctor's room. The doctor took out the x-rays, put it into the window. He looked at the letter, looked at the x-ray. He looked confused. He went into his back room, got another set of x-rays out. He's looking at that x-ray, looking at this, looks at the letter. He looked confused. I said, doctor, what's going on? He said, come have a look here. He says, now, in the old x-ray, this is the old one, the fibrous displays here, you can see it. It's gray, like pulled steel wool. There it is in the bone. You see it? I said, yes. He says, now you need to know, medically speaking, that cannot disappear. It can't go because like a lump can grow out, that's in the bone. We measure it. The best you can hope for is it stops growing, but it cannot be removed. Look at the new x-ray. White, clean, 
white. I said, doctor, would you call that a miracle? He says, call it whatever you want, but I cannot operate on that, that, that x-ray. And he said to Janine, now you can go home because I can't operate on that x-ray. If you feel pain, you come right back. She turned, she, we turned to walk out. I turned back and I said, we will not be back. That night, I went home and I said, God, if you're willing to reach through my blasphemy, through my anger, and heal my wife without even a guarantee, I'll say thank you. That God, I want to serve. And that day, I gave my life to Jesus. Come on, give him praise. You get it? Here's what I want you to get out of that. An unsaved preacher spoke to a woman who gave her life to the Lord the day before. And took a word that was spoken and declared it. And a miracle happened. How difficult was that? Family God, you have the faith of God. Come on, give Jesus praise. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.